the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back into the Bruce Hooley Show. This is Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network. Filling in for Bruce. Bruce will be back with you on Monday. And uh, right now, I want to welcome in Mark R. Weaver. He's author of a wordsmith's work, media law attorney, crisis communications advisor, adjunct professor, prosecutor, and uh, former deputy uh, AG of the state of Ohio. Mr. Weaver, welcome back. How are you this morning, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me back. Always good to be with you. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw you the curveball as as usual. Uh, before we get into uh, Jason Mead and, and Donald Trump, what say you about this massive outage uh, of cell phone usage yesterday? What was it? Was it a solar flare? Was it intentional? Was it human error? Or do you have a tinfoil hat and, and, and something else that you believe uh, drove it? I think it was a sharp which is a strange weather event where a tornado um, brings sharks from the ocean and perhaps affects cell coverage. I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding, of course. Uh, I think the larger point is less about how it happened and more about what would happen if it were a much larger cyber outage, if, in fact, it was set up by a foreign actor. Just a little bit of cell phone outage uh, threw a lot of people's lives into chaos. Imagine what it would be if we couldn't access any of our cell phones or our banking records or even electricity grids. Yeah. And we are very reliant on these digital resources, and um, we need a robust plan to be able to uh, to get access to them uh, in a, a much larger outage than what we saw yesterday. So I won't I won't drag you down this path, but later in the show I'm going to talk with Adam Hewitt about it. Uh, I have a former Secret Service contact who said to me, "Grid's going down this year. It's going to happen." So uh, you you bring up a salient point, and I think yesterday was a warning shot, and I think we need to be prepared to think about contingency plans. Speaking of contingency plans, um, special prosecutors in this Jason Mead case. They want to try him again. Uh, A hung jury resulted in a mistrial last week in this case. Uh, The judge in the case actually declared a mistrial, then rescinded his ruling and ordered the jurors to return to their deliberations. An hour or two later, they came back still unable to reach a verdict, and the judge declared a mistrial a second time. So here's the dumb question. I'm going to play the layman here because I don't know this answer. How can he be tried again? because uh, it sounds like double jeopardy, but I'm assuming there's a legal technicality here that would allow that to happen. What can you tell our listeners about this case? I've been a special prosecutor in more than a dozen counties around Ohio, and I've I've faced uh, hung juries before. Um, this was no surprise to me. I, I was doing interviews with media ahead of the jury decision 
and I predicted this would be a mistrial. Most of these cases are. Our, our society is split over issues of supporting the police or criticizing the police. And juries typically are some subset or representatives of society. So there ought not be another trial. Um, I think it will hang again. You can put me down for that one if you like. I think if they try him again, it will hang again. But uh, retrials are permitted by the U.S. Supreme Court as long as there wasn't an effort by particularly the prosecution to purposely throw the case. Uh, the, the U.S. Supreme Court has looked at this and said it's not a double, a double jeopardy violation if something goes wrong with the trial to try it again. And so that's pretty well settled. What's large, The larger problem is this notion that we second-guess police officers who have to make very fast decisions, and we threaten them with prison. Uh, people who are in law enforcement have noticed this, and which is why a lot of them are retiring, and it's hard to find good ones. And so the larger problem here is the notion that we, rather than sue them for money, we now um, many prosecutors seek to put law enforcement officers in prison. I think that's a very troubling notion. And I want to be very careful here because I understand that you're a, a man of equal justice and you use your words wisely, but I would be remiss if I didn't highlight the fact that Columbus City Attorney Zach Klein, Columbus City Council President Shannon Harden have made statements in the past in meetings to the press that really create a lot of pressure for this case to be tried again. Um, What would you say to not only them, but to other elected officials when it comes to allowing the judiciary to do its job? Yeah, I, I have that same concern, Jack. I think that's a good point. A lot of people weighed in saying there's got to be a retrial. Well, these are political pander sessions. Yep. Um, the, the court system should be free of politics to the extent possible. One thing that really troubled me was the Franklin County commissioners issued a statement essentially supporting the family, and the Franklin County commissioners are currently being sued by the family. That struck me as odd. Um, it, listen, there are times when a police officer, like anybody else, might commit a crime and should be prosecuted for it. This wasn't one of those times. All of the evidence uh, indicated that uh, Casey Goodson had a gun that was found on the scene. It was a semi-automatic pistol with an extended clip. And the only eyewitness we have to it is uh, Jason Mead, who said that Casey Goodson pointed the gun at him. That's the end of the encounter right there. You point a gun at a police officer, police officer has a uh, good cause to shoot you. That's what happened. I don't I don't know. think another trial is going to change that. Well, let me ask the final question, then we'll toggle over to Trump. So let's say it happens again. Uh, the jury is hung. How, how many iterations can this go on? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, prudent prosecutors won't go beyond two retrials. And what I don't know is I've not heard, maybe it's been reported elsewhere, what the jury count was. A, a, a prosecutor will often try to find out, well, was it 10-2 in favor of conviction? Well, if it's 10-2 in favor of conviction, probably ought to retry it. Yeah. If it's 10-2 in favor of acquittal, eh, probably ought not to retry it. Yeah. And so the count of the jury makes sense. Interviewing past jurors makes sense. Remember, in their question to the judge, they said they found justification. And if you found justification, then they have to acquit. That's so, right. I, I think uh, I think there'll be another retrial. I think there'll be another hung jury. So uh, I had a conversation with Mike Gibbons last November. He's chairman and senior managing director of uh, Brown, Gibbons, and Lang. Why that matters is that he's been involved in thousands of the types of transactions that New York Attorney General 
Letitia James cited in her fraud case against former President Donald Trump. Now, he said that it was a witch hunt. He said that James was out to get Trump. That Those were statements that she made. And that the law is really peculiar um, in the way that it is written. But he expects this case to eventually get tossed. What can you tell us about it? It does appear that every lever was pulled to go after Donald Trump. Um, there was not a victim in that alleged crime, or, or I suppose the, it's more of a, a civil action than a crime. But there's no – it's a victimless action. And uh, as I understand it, uh, Donald Trump put disclaimers in his paperwork saying don't rely on this. Yep. Uh, the banks didn't think they were harmed. This is just the latest example. You and I have spoken about this many times. This is just the latest example of Democrats using the legal system to try to stop Donald Trump from becoming the next president. And in this case, they want to take money out of his bank account so he can't use it to defeat Joe Biden. They're doing it in a variety of ways. This is one of the more egregious. It really is. And I will ask two dumb questions. When does it rise to election interference? And what about the Eighth Amendment? I mean, how are these folks justified in doing what you and I look at clearly? And I give you a lot more weight in this because you're the expert. But I, I look at it and I go, this is clearly lawfare in a, in a weaponized justice system. Um, when does it become interference and what about the Eighth Amendment? Yeah, Eighth Amendment cruel and unusual punishment typically refers to criminal cases. But there's no doubt that the Constitution has several instances uh, the Bill of Attainder provision, for example, that suggests government shouldn't be used and weaponized against one single person. That's what feels like it's happening here. It also does feel like election interference, which is kind of a generic term. And to the extent this is election interference, the only people who can um, stop it are voters. Uh, and voters have to do their homework. They have to vote for people they think deserve to be in office. And that's what these – even the elected officials in the legal system, judges, prosecutors, etc., they take note of what voters do. And so ultimately the voters have the power, and ultimately the voters should use the power. He's Mark R. Weaver. You need to follow him at Mark R. Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R, on X. Uh, Attorney Weaver, thank you for spending time with us today. We deeply appreciate it, man. Good talking to you, Jack. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, stay tuned. More on The Bruce Woolley Show next. Welcome back in. I want to tell you about our friends at the Freedom Foundation. The Freedom Foundation, they've been helping free government employees from union bondage. And the Supreme Court decided five years ago that if you want a government job, you don't have to join a union to get it. If you have a government job, you don't have to join the union to keep it. And if you are not in the union, that you don't have to pay union dues. Here's the problem. If you get over to the OhioPressNetwork.com, you'll read a story just this week of a school employee who had to go to court because teacher unions are sneaky and they do everything they can to keep you enrolled in the union. Why? Because your union dues bankroll their political activism and they monolithically support Democrats and progressives. So the Freedom Foundation created optouttoday.com. That's optouttoday.com. When you go there, you will see how simple and seamless it is to opt out of your union. Now, when you do that, you're going to save about $1,000 per year 
which given Bidenflation, Bidenomics is real money, better, you're going to keep that money away from union bosses. We hear Senator DeMora, Democrat, Columbus, in the Ohio State House, clamoring about teachers not being paid enough. Well, why don't you call Randy Weingarten out on the carpet? Why don't you talk about the millions of dollars that these teacher unions do get, but do you know what they do with them? They spend those dollars on political activism. And it's the and by the way, I had a great conversation, uh, and it was off the record, so I'm not going to indicate who the conversation was with, but I had a great conversation with a teacher yesterday, and I'm going to tell you something. Teachers are up against it. Um, maybe they're not paid the right amount, although here's what I will tell you. When somebody talks about pay and they have a government position, you need to automatically think a couple of things. Do they get health benefits and health insurance? Do they have a pension? Do they have a 403 or whatever, 403B? All of those things. So if a teacher gets paid 50, well, they might be getting another 20,000 in benefits. That's real money too. So let's, if we're going to have the conversation about pay, Let's talk about the full compensation package, just not the hourly wage or the, the salary that teachers get. But this teacher pointed out, teachers are up against it. And I'll tell you why they're up against it. They're up against it because teacher unions are pushing them to do radical progressive things. We had conversations about statistics. I'm not the smartest apple in the bushel But I did take college statistics, and I understood it really well. And what I understood was that there's a bell curve. You know what the bell curve does? It shows you, on average, here's how people are going to react and act in certain circumstances. And then there are always outliers, right, on both extremes. Well, transgenderism is an outlier. Now, statistically, that's, you know, less than 1%, maybe 1%, maybe 2%, not 30%. Not 30%. Why, why, are, why are kids gender confused? Because that's what teacher unions, that's what the political left is pushing in schools. And so now teachers not only have to deal with everyday stuff, like they're not being equipped to teach a classical education, but now they have an arm tied behind their back because they have to deal with gender dysphoria and gender confusion. And they have parents who are really pissed off because parental rights are being stripped away. Parents are getting phone calls because Johnny is suicidal and has been identifying as Janie for three months and nobody told the parents about it. And his personality starting to splinter. He's falling apart emotionally. But the school, because they're getting really bad advice from social justice law firms in Ohio that say, well, look, you can keep that information away from the parent if, in your professional opinion, you think the parents aren't going to support this gender transition. Teachers are up against it, man. I, I don't I don't envy them, but I also encourage the ones that are sane, that see what's going on, that see all of the pieces in our culture and in our society that are feeding the erratic behavior, the emotional instability of our kids to stick in, to stay in. Because the more grounds you give up, the more the Marxists and the progressives take. And by the way, make no mistake about this. This is a cultural revolution. This is a Marxist revolution. 
And the Marxists want to steal the emotions and minds of our children because once the children can rise against God and say, you made a mistake, God, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl, or I'm a non-binary, I'm a cat. Once we get them off the truth that they were created divinely by a creator, you create instability. Once you get them to untether from their parents in the wise advice of their parents that says, look, you should not be deciding if you want to be a girl at 13. You can't get a tattoo. You can't smoke a cigarette. You can't drink bourbon. You can't drive a car. You can't enter into a contract. You can't even go on a certain ride at Cedar Point if you're not a certain height. You certainly have no right to make a lifelong decision that might keep you from breastfeeding, having a baby, or as a male that might disconfigure you and keep you in the throes of mental illness where you are a client for life for drug companies and clinics makes, make hundreds of thousands of dollars carving you up over the course of your life. We have unstable kids because that's what the Marxist revolution wants. They want them separated from you as a parent because you're just dumb. You're just dumb, Boomer. You have no idea what's going on. Don't you dare try to bully your kids into believing in a God. Don't you try to bully your kids into believing that they're binary and there's only males and females. That's where we're at. And Mark Weaver's right. The only way to undo it is at the ballot box. The only way to undo it is to make sure that you know who you're voting for. So I'm going to use this opportunity to call out a group. If you're on Twitter, uh, follow me at Jack Windsor. And you need to go over and check out OHRA War Room. Uh, OHRA is the uh, Ohio House Republican Alliance. Uh, The Ohio House Republican Alliance essentially is the war chest. So Jason Stevens and the 21 other Republicans that lied to their Republican colleagues in caucus last year voted for Jason Stevens over Derek Maron, partnered with all Democrats. They have captured... They have captured the speakership, not on behalf of a supermajority of Republicans, but on behalf of progressives, on behalf of people like Democrats and their leaders who want abortions to birth for any reason, who want kids to be able to abort or gender transition without parental involvement, who want commissions to redraw voting maps Um these groups that are going to be driven by liberals. So the OHRA War Room, you need to check it out on Twitter. Uh, this this is the, the, the X account that is essentially going against everybody that's running against these Blue 22 members. The Blue 22 members, I remind you again, are the people who elected um, Jason Stevens, who is a Democrat, who is a progressive, pretending to be a Republican, but sold his soul to special interests and lobbyists in order to get the speaker's gavel so that he could have the power and the money. Well, now he's taken over the war chest that is designed for Republicans in the House to use to get Republicans reelected, and he's using it to defend 17 of the Blue 22 members who are running for office. And what is he doing with the $3 million? He's running attack tweets on real conservatives that are running against the blue 22. Why do I tell you that? Because you have a big decision coming up in March and I'm going to tell you this straight on right here you go. Anybody OHRA war room endorses do not vote for anyone. They try to criminalize, belittle, besmirch badger. You need to look seriously at 
Ty Matthews, Ryan, Ryan Cross, John Cross, uh, probably one of the henchmen, one of the uh, behind-the-scenes drivers of the Blue 22 cabal, is trying to criminalize Ty Matthews. If you are in that district, pull the lever for Ty Matthews, not John Cross. John Cross is a trans-dem. He's a liar. He's a bully. And his time in office should be done. But you shouldn't be done. You need to stick with this. 98.9 FM, The Answer. Hour number two of The Bruce Woolley Show is up next. Adam Hewitt is here. You want to hear this interview. Stay tuned. Hi, it's Bruce Hooley with a reminder that Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank all my listeners for all your continued. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 